Hey everyone, it's Michael, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. Super glad that you are listening to us today. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. We're going to be talking today about the message by night and by day. It's a look at Nicodemus and the woman at the well from John chapters 3 and 4. And joining me today on the podcast is Taylor and Aaron. Um, hello, I'm Aaron Lamblot, and I am a communication student at Swallow. To start off this uh, episode, we or I asked the question, what makes you who you are? So let's dive into today's episode without further ado. and have loved getting to know her. So I was excited for her to come on. Cool. Yes. I, do have a, I do have a question before we, we dive in. Okay. I was reading on um, uh, Twitter last night. Um, somebody was like, when you're interviewing people, don't ask them what they do. No, don't ask them uh, like who they are. Ask mm-hmm. them what, no, no, no. It's don't ask people like, what do you do? It's ask them what makes them who you are. So I'm curious, Ooh. Aaron, what makes you who you are? No Whoa, pressure. That's that's worse than the other <laughs> question. Oh, uh, what makes me who I am? Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't What I don't de- know. what defines you? Like what what's about what like more oh. than just a commodore and the major as well? Um I don't know. I like to think I'm kind of funny. <laughs> I don't She's know what super makes funny. Who I am. She she lights up she lights up the room. Everybody knows her for her humor. I I can I can say that because <laughs> I feel that way and I know that everybody in the comm department feels that way. We love you. <laughs> and Taylor, what about you? Oh no. <laughs> yes, yes, no, yes. I was thinking <laughs> that. Now you get it. Um <laughs> simplistically, I would say my creativity. Your baking skills. Is, oh, that's true. Oh A lot gosh. of people know me for my baking. Okay. So I guess yeah, I guess I'd have yeah. to say my baking. Creativity yeah. and baking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They kind of go hand in yeah. hand. Cool. That's a cool way to start. I yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I might get away with it. No. Um, what makes me who I am? Um, I don't know. That's a hard one. I feel right? I feel your, exactly. I feel your pain. No. I think it's what makes me who I am is uh, my devotion to helping un- uh, other people experience the God I know. I agree with that. I oh. like that. You well see, you're, yeah, I was about to say, you you no, had that he ready. Was, he was prepared. Yeah, he was prepared. <laughs> and I like disc golf. Okay, there we go. Oh, so. Yeah. so the engaged question was, what does it mean to be born again? Which I really liked because I think that's a question everybody might have. And immediately my mind goes to baptism, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that. We'll get into that in a little okay. bit. So I really liked it because what stood out to me is it was simple to understand and the ultimate thing throughout the entire message was that Jesus knows my heart and that's all that matters. And I loved the comparison of Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman because so often we hear about the Samaritan woman that I I, I can't remember how many times I've heard the story of Nicodemus, like yeah. talked about, preached, but we always hear yeah. about the Samaritan woman and he's right before that mm-hmm. and the connection between them is really cool. Yeah. And I really, I really loved hearing about that. Yeah. Um, As I was looking at it, I didn't find a way that I could like keep them separate. No, you can't. Yeah. And I had never, I had never put that together. And 
honestly, I don't know how deeply I have studied before the Samaritan woman. And John, you always go, okay, we're gonna go straight to the Samaritan woman. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you just read <laughs> from there. So like, that's just how I grew up. Um, so that's immediately what hit me is Jesus knows my heart and that's comforting. But then I wanted to know more. Okay, yeah, it goes beyond that. So what's beyond that? And the second thing, I'm just gonna like dive right into my favorite part, which was we were talking about God on paper, and not in our lives. And mm -hmm. at first I was like, oh, okay, that's a cool thought. But then I actually listened to the sermon twice. And in listening to it again, it just sparked my curiosity. And it made me think the connection that I saw between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman was how I feel sometimes about people in church or those that have grown up in the church versus those who have not. Mm -hmm. And how often... I know I've grown up in the church and it's like you have all these rules or works to follow and reading Ellen White and yeah. you just do it and you're like, okay, I'm good. Like yeah. I'm saved. Like this is, this is the route that you go to. And others that maybe haven't grown up in the church sometimes have an even deeper appreciation mm -hmm. for how amazing yeah. certain sermons are. And I was like, Wow, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I can relate with Nicodemus and all right, Lord, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. Give me, grant me purity of heart. And what stood out to me in that fact, I immediately think of like holier than thou mm -hmm. attitudes in the church. Yeah. And so what stood out to me was it's really not just about the works, but by faith and works is kind of how my brain took it to mm -hmm. see and understand the kingdom of God, which led me to, I actually went to like different verses online and I found um, Ephesians 2 verse 8 through 10. And this one reads, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that stood out to me. I don't know if like maybe that's what you were thinking of or where you were going with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. But I just had to like start with that because that was yeah. on, that was on my heart whenever I heard it for the second time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely online of where we're going. And I for the first time in a while. I didn't reference anything outside of John in terms of scripture. That was easy. I, quotes, I actually but. liked that because <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, I know exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's, yeah, I think that's spot on. That's the, that's the main, that's the premise or what John is getting at in John chapter three and four. For me, I think yeah. the most beautiful part of this, I didn't, I didn't take notes or anything. In fact, I, I listened to it online and mm -hmm. it was like this morning that I was listening to it. But I think something that hit me the most was it was the difference in desperation, it felt like. Yes. It feels mm. like sometimes when you're born and you're raised in the church and stuff, you don't have that grateful spiritual mm -hmm. desperation. You're not you don't have a yearning inside mm -hmm. because when you're in the church, you think you're saved and you just you lose sight of what the meaning of it is because yeah. you think because I'm in this community. Oh, everything's fine, but mm -hmm. nothing's really fine. And you don't. You don't get it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's a beautiful thing about the Samaritan one because I think the Samaritan one was such at such a low place. When you're outside the church, it's easier to find, to just have that low spot yeah. mm -hmm. from being in that high spot in the church. 
and it's easier to find i wouldn't say it's easier but like you're you know it's when you're, you're exposed to god it's kind of more powerful when you're mm -hmm. at that low position yes when you're outside of the church and stuff like that which is why i find the samaritan woman particularly powerful yeah and um i think that's what stood out to me it's the differences in that mm. a lot um mm -hmm. between them both yeah i feel like you said it a lot better than i could no, <laughs> no. <laughs> A challenge that we face often is our perspective of the church. Many of us grew up inside of a church, and maybe some of you haven't. And we've got to be able to take a step back and say, what does the community of believers look like from somebody who grew up inside of it and someone who's outside of it? We have to ask ourselves the question, where do I fit in? Um, so that's that's initially it was it was throughout the sermon because going into the sermon um, and hearing that it was going to be in in simple terms just comparing Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman I was like oh I'm not very familiar I wonder how I'm gonna take this yeah. but you know so I kind of went in a little bit skeptical like oh I don't I I don't know how this is gonna go yeah. and that's that I was my that, yeah so, <laughs> so I was kind of nervous too because I'm like what am I gonna write on this if I'm not familiar with it but yeah. that's the most exciting because you can learn from it I don't want to yeah. always be familiar with whatever you're mm. speaking on yeah yeah, no, I like that. And that's the, I think the the challenge I have as a pastor sometimes too, because we, I mean, I preach every week or mm -hmm. like 45 out of 52 weeks out of the year with guest speakers and whatnot. And what is fresh and new, right? There's only so many pages in the Bible and mm -hmm. only so many stories. And that how haven't do we, been told. <laughs> yeah, right. in a lot of ways. But then you come back to like the Samaritan woman in Nicodemus, like we've grown up, we grew up in the church, you've heard mm -hmm. them a lot. And how do you bring something fresh and new to that? And I think- Often, um, I you don't hear them put together. Yes, no, They're and that's not... what was new. Yeah, that I was not expecting. Yeah. So, if you're gonna say that, how do you how do you face the problem and how do you solve it? Of how do I make this message interest interesting every week? How do I how how do you do that? That's a good question. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think for me, it's a uh, um, every time I I sit down and read, I try to just ask pointed questions and I try to I try to learn myself and mm -hmm. so it's not just like oh yeah Nicodemus well cool like Holy Spirit you got it great we're moving on yeah but to actually try to learn something new myself and when I do that I'm sharing something new that I've learned more often than not that's something new for other people as well mm. uh, and I don't know I think a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's always that's awful. That's good. like the the sermon prep doesn't always look like me sitting down in a very quiet place with my like candle and cup of tea and like a little like oh Lord like give it to me like I'm out for a walk or I'm, I'm walking through campus and I'm just mulling over in my mind like the story yeah. over wow. and over again. I feel like being a pastor is very hard. I feel like you yes. really have to you have to you have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit to really yeah. present the message. You always have to find that renewal, that inspiration to just yeah. give something new and fresh yeah. with the same content we're given in the Bible, yeah. you yeah. know? That yeah. must be challenging. I yeah. I praise you for that. <laughs> I feel like I, you I just like you. completely <laughs> described this whole series like revive and the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like exactly. I loved that. You just completely got that all in one. Yeah. There was a really cool aha moment for me in this passage because I'm, I'm reading through John chapter three and chapter four kind of over and over mm -hmm. again. I'm like, what are their similarities? What are the differences? And I, I got to a point where I'm like, just from reading scripture, I'm like, 
what Jesus offered Nicodemus is the exact same thing that he offered the woman at the well. Yes. Just mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. And then I go and read this lady named Ellen White who writes <laughs> Desire of Ages mm-hmm. and um, she's viewed as a, a prophet within her denomination and a founder of our church and all these other things. And people go back and forth and like how you use her and whatnot. Another conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. But I was reading the chapter on the, uh, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and I about fell out of my chair when I came <laughs> oh across God. a point where she straight, like straight up says the same spirit that was offered to Nicodemus uh-huh. was offered as well to the woman at the well. And she quotes John three, four or three, three. Mm. And then I had, um, I, a little bit further, she talks about religion, not being confined over to a good place. The one I quoted in it, Yes, but I was just oh, like, yeah, I love that. Oh, like I came this to is my, exactly it. <laughs> I came to an understanding of that. Like God says, Hey, this is it. And then Ellen White confirms it later. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like a cool, like it was a geeky moment for me. Cause in my, my own hermeneutic of Ellen White and other stuff, like you go mm-hmm. to scripture first, see what God has to say. And then she helps like support what's Mm -hmm. going on. But I really love that because that goes back to some of what we've been talking about in our walks with God and how it doesn't matter where you worship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if your walk is different than mine, what, wherever you can find God and wherever you can find the Holy Spirit, that's where you search for him Mm -hmm. and that's where you can worship him. And that stood out to me because I feel as though sometimes we think it has to look like going to a specific destination on Sabbath. That is my worship. Mm -hmm. That is it. But it's like, you can worship God anywhere. You can worship God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and through the rest of the week and specifically Saturday, because mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're Seventh-day Adventists, but it doesn't matter where or when. And that's what's, he's always there. Mm-hmm. And this is, I just got really excited. Like I, I keep like- The funniest thing that you say that because I think that you find God in the most unconventional places, honestly. Yes, you really yeah. do. exactly. Yeah. People are like, it's in church. You're gonna find God in church or in school. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> most of the time you find God yeah. in the weirdest places. Super yeah. weird and like yeah. odd situations. He can just speak to you and mm-hmm. that's your moment. So I really, I really- God is someone who can be found. And sometimes he's hanging out in the most obscure places. Sometimes God meets us at a a bus stop or while we're driving down the road. Maybe he meets us at a grocery store, maybe even some of us a a bar or a club. God is wanting to be found by us and he places himself in places for us to find him. That's the beauty of who God is. I encourage you to think about maybe where is God showing up in your life where you wouldn't have thought he would before and to seek out those places where he might be found. Here comes, I don't want to say like a more challenging, but this is where, this is where I didn't struggle, but I had more questions. Okay. Whenever we were in, I have it marked as John 3 verse 5, talking about, yes, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So now is Mm. where we're talking a little bit more about baptism. And growing growing up, I viewed baptism as, this is gonna sound bad, but I viewed it as a must. I viewed it as- Ticket to heaven? Yeah, that's, that is, and I think I was like 12 when I got baptized. So old enough to understand, but 
not there in my relationship with God yet to fully mm-hmm. have the appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so whenever whenever you started talking about um, having the water and the spirit, meaning the baptism, I guess the question that came up for me was for maybe those who aren't baptized yet, like, mm-hmm. but they've felt the spirit. They've, they've yeah. had the spirit. I have it written down like better, but is it possible to have the spirit before baptism? Because mm. I thought that it was, but then this verse kind of contradicted that for me. That's a good question. And not where I thought you were going with that one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of walked around that for a while. <laughs> what do you think, Erin? Oh, no, don't oh. ask me this. Because I struggle with the same thing because my right? story is kind of like yours. I grew up mm-hmm. in the church. My grandpa was a third-generation Adventist. Oh. And oh, wow. um, I was raised by him. He he actually isn't my biological grandpa, but I was raised by him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I was raised in the church, and I like I went through the motions of Pathfinders, and I went to summer yeah. camp and all this stuff, exactly. and I didn't understand what religion was at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like I literally got baptized at 12, I believe, 12 or 13, yeah. and I didn't know what I was doing, but it, once again, was something to get off the checklist because everybody yeah. around me was doing it, and I said, yes, absolutely. That's I need to it. go to heaven and do this. That's yeah. it. All my friends were getting baptized, and I was like, well, I guess it's time. I don't even know. <laughs> know if I'm like that's not it. I didn't even know what was going on. I don't even know right? if I enjoyed my baptism. I just did it because everybody in my Pathfinder group yeah. was stressing it. And I've always wanted to get rebaptized. Me too. Now because I feel mm-hmm. like growing through high school and then transitioning to college, I challenged God. I, I was like, Oh yeah. Do you exist? Like I need to question my beliefs and I need to know you for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been on this journey of getting to know God truly. And I've I've felt him and I've experienced him and I just so I've pondered and I've wanted to get rebaptized, mm-hmm. but with God in my heart actually. Yeah. But yeah. yes, I struggle the same way Taylor does with that question. Yeah. yeah. Holy Spirit first, baptism first. What's up with that, right? Yes. So we'll get like a little bit nerdy and then we'll go for the heart. In <laughs> in in the book of Acts, there's a lot of people that get baptized. Mm-hmm. And there's several distinct parts where once someone's baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And we see that in Jesus' baptism as well. Mm-hmm. So he's baptized yeah. and then the Spirit of God descends on him in the form yeah, of a dove. And so it, all throughout, it's like water and then baptism or baptism and then the Holy Spirit comes. Baptism yeah. and the Holy Spirit comes, right? And when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus himself, he says, you've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. In a way people potentially could have seen baptism as it's just a, an, an outward thing instead of something that you do in the heart, which both of you have kind of semi-articulated. Like yes. it's just kind of like <laughs> outward. Doing, doing, the, doing the motions, yeah. doing the thing on the outside, like, oh, all my friends are doing it. Like that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, it's not good enough just to do that. There's gotta be something needs to have something that happens in the heart. Mm-hmm. And he tells Nicodemus, uh, the version I have in front of me uh, says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so we could uh, break down the, the, the grammatical connection between what does and mean? Mm-hmm. born of water and the spirit are they two separate things is it one plus the other is it there's like hold on we can go down that road but i think my takeaway from the passage is that jesus says in order to see the kingdom of god there has to be an inward transformation that is shown in outward living mm-hmm. and it always starts with the heart it says you've got to yeah. be born again because nicodemus 
he knew everything there was to know about religion. He had mm-hmm. done all the yeah. all the stuff. And Jesus says, you've got to do all the stuff. And we can talk about that one in a moment because that one's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how much, how much agency do we have in salvation? Mm-hmm. But uh, you've got to do the stuff, but it's not good enough just to do the stuff. The stuff has to come from a transformation of the heart. And so on a very practical level, I think when one dedicates themselves to the cause of Christ through a religious expression, which is baptism, um, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wishy-washy at how early we baptize kids, even at least within the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, Cause and particularly in the uh, being serving on this campus, a university campus, there's a lot of rebaptisms. Yes. Because other students just like you, like mm-hmm. I was baptized then, but it's now I've come to know who Jesus is and I want to be rebaptized yeah. again. Uh, and that's like, that's a good thing because you are critically thinking about your faith and you realize uh, it was, it was an okay thing to do back then, mm-hmm. but now like I get it. And I think there's something special about the act of baptism, not anything in the water or anything about the church, but I think mm-hmm. God recognizes that moment. And for whatever reason, God decides to add a blessing of the Holy Spirit to someone who's baptized. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that I, you can receive the Holy Spirit before you're baptized, but there is, there's, there's something, there's something special about a baptism that the Holy Spirit moves upon someone in, in, a, in a different way. And for me, I, you know, the question could arise, well, like, that's not fair. Like these people get this different thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is, is that after baptism, the heart is ready to receive the Holy Spirit in a way that it wasn't before. Mm -hmm. So not that the Holy Spirit has changed, but the heart has changed. Mm -hmm. So I know that was a lot. Well, let's process it. One of the things that I took in the beginning of you talking about it was more so, I don't know how to describe it because now it kind of changed like towards the end, but what I was getting... So we talked a lot about baptism in this episode and it the conversation took some turns that I was very, very excited to go to. And here's the thing about baptism. Sometimes baptism is used as a quick fix, something that I uh, just get baptized and okay, everything's good. You graduated, you moved on, everything's great. The truth of the matter is that baptism is really the beginning. It's just the start of an incredible journey with Jesus. And we see baptism that way. We know that this this isn't just going to be easy right off the bat. It's not just something that's going to come uh, just be handed to us on a silver platter. And we shouldn't just do baptism as a fix, but really it's a celebration of what God has been doing inside of your heart. Transformation that happens from the inside. more so I don't know how to describe it because now it kind of changed like towards the end but what I was getting in the beginning of talking about it was that baptism can happen within your heart it's mm-hmm. it's that's truly what it means is it matters on the inside not mm-hmm. not always the outside works although mm-hmm. they do matter mm-hmm. to an extent and so if we have that transformation of our hearts is that a baptism within ourselves that mm. we receive the spirit? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, without having like the outward or mm-hmm. do we need that outward? 
hey, everybody, look at me. I'm following Jesus. Yeah. This is what I'm doing for my life. And then we get the outpouring. Because if it's really within our hearts, mm -hmm. then we can be baptized in a sense yeah. and have the Holy Spirit and have God anywhere. So you're asking, like, do we really do we need a physical the, baptism the, if there's been a change of our hearts? Yeah, but then that also goes against the whole water, you know, yeah. spirit mm -hmm. and water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is confusing. So maybe is like baptism, physical baptism, just like a outward proclamation of what we've of accepted what and do we in our heart? Yeah, of what we've accepted in our heart. Mm -hmm. I think so. So here's 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 to to follow that train of thought as you guys are processing this. Mm -hmm. Um John the Baptist, the guy that came before Jesus, his cousin. Mm -hmm. Um here's what he says. John answered, so people are questioning him like, "Hey, what are you? Are you the Messiah?" This anything. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, John answered and said to them, this is uh, Luke chapter 3 verse 16. As for me, I baptize you with water. Any specific yeah, I baptize you with water. But the one, capital O1, is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. is through the Holy Spirit. It's an inner, mm -hmm. it's an, mm -hmm. I don't want to call it a battle, but it really is. Like mm -hmm. it's an inner battle mm -hmm. and it's our relationship with God. So in this sense, can't baptism be within our hearts? Yeah. 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 Wow, that just kind of like answered yeah. my question. <laughs> and so, and then, the, you know, and to process it a little bit more, baptism of the heart. And then it's like, let's say, how do I know you've been baptized in the mm -hmm. heart? You know, and that you could cause like some difficulties within the church is yes. how, and how we try to, how do we organize as a denomination and how do we, uh, you know, those are difficult questions. And so I think the, the symbol of being lowered into the water and raised to walk in a new life is super, super important. Mm. Not that the not that it's salvific in its nature, but it is a fruit. It is a yes. um, lost the word I was gonna say. <laughs> is it almost like this might not make sense at first, but is it almost like the works with the faith? Because you're you're showing others this is mm -hmm. my decision in hopes that they might too yeah. see how on fire you are for Jesus. Yeah. So it's a way of bringing others to Christ, yeah. not for your own benefit, like, hey, look at me, yeah. but I want to show others. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that it, it's a celebration. Yes. I mean, think about the the wedding culture we have in our, our country in the mm -hmm. modern day. Like they're big festivities. COVID's oh, yeah. kind of put a little bit of a damper on it. You know, yeah. like that, I guess micro weddings is a thing now. Yeah, basically. Like <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you you gather a group of people to celebrate mm -hmm. your relationship and you make a commitment in front of a group of people that mm -hmm. solidifies you. And then you could look and say, well, I mean, we made that commitment in a romantic, you know, wherever by ourselves. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. like it's that and it's that. It's both. It's... Uh, there's there's an importance to uh, being able to be seen in your commitment and saying this this is the this is the line where things change after this and I'm I'm baptized I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit my heart mm -hmm. has been changed and I want to symbolize that by being lowered into water and then brought mm -hmm. back out of it. I really like how you just connected that with like wedding like I 
I don't want to like take the typical girl stance, but <laughs> I I understand it better now that you said that because weddings are viewed as this is outwardly showing my commitment. Yeah. We could go just mm-hmm. to the it's courthouse. It's totally ceremonial. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's showing this is our commitment and this is how important it is. And we want others that we love to see and support us in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the same thing with baptism. Like I want you to support and love me for my decision. And this is where my life is going. Yeah. Oh it's a powerful yeah. witnessing tool as well. Exactly. When people see yeah. that and they're not you can just invite anybody who's not even of the faith and when they when they see that, I feel mm-hmm. yeah. and when there's been a change of heart, they can feel that Holy Spirit in them. Yeah. You know. And we've seen it on, on this campus when we Yes. Make appeals for baptism and somebody is baptized. Generally about three to four weeks later we'll have another baptism because mm-hmm. somebody saw yeah. the previous baptism mm-hmm. and they're like, I it's it's time. Mm-hmm. That's time for me to do that. Yeah. And sometimes that is hard because I know Aaron said it and I feel it too about like we got baptized young and I do want to be rebaptized. And I know a few weeks ago, whenever we had week of prayer and seeing everyone and I loved the feeling on campus and just the heightened spirituality mm-hmm. that it was just, you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, I was asking, I was like, Lord, is this like, is this it? Is this when I need to be rebaptized? And then I was and then it was like a battle in my head. Like, I don't want to do this for attention. I want it to be for yeah. God. Am I ready? And it, yeah. and then it's like, are we ever ready? We mm-hmm. are humans. Mm-hmm. It's not saying you can't sin after we're baptized. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we are only human. But it's saying yeah. I'm making this commitment. I'm going to try to do my best yeah. to work on myself and be better, which sounds <laughs> bad. But that's the only way I can no. think of it. Yeah. Well, baptism is only a beginning. Yes. You know, often it's seen as a graduation of yeah, like, exactly. I'm done. <laughs> Get me out of this place. <laughs> yes. uh, but it's it's only a beginning. It's the beginning of an incredible journey that um, I, the Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 24, 16, we looked at it in class this morning, Oh yeah. Um, that the difference between the righteous and the wicked is not the fact that they fall because both righteous people and wicked people fall. The difference is that righteous people get back up. Yes. Mm. And so when you fall, it's are you getting back up or not by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And when we're baptized, we make that commitment. Mm-hmm. My heart's with we're God. We're going to get back up. We're going to get back up and mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. It may fall hundreds of thousands of millions of times because we're human and we're sinful. We're not going to get over that. But by the grace of God, we're able to get back up. Wow. I really liked how this, like, I really loved learning more about the whole baptism aspect because that was my main question and mm-hmm. all of this i was like i need to get answers that's something that's overlooked a lot honestly <laughs> yes, that feels it like is. something we don't talk about baptism enough in the church i feel like i agree we've never gone over that a i lot. never really thought hmm. about that because it's more of just a known like yeah. all right this is how it is this is thing. what you do so, kind of how we do i really enjoy this conversation it's been one of my favorites so far on elevate And this actually is going to launch us into a new series on baptism specifically. So be looking for that in the next coming weeks. We're going to talk about baptism, what it is, what it means, maybe some myths about it, and how we use it and practice it as a church. So I invite you to come back for another episode of Elevate Retake. We'll be right here in your podcast feed every week. We are so glad that you are a part of this community, and we thank you for joining in. Until next time.